Welcome to Inkwell, a podcast from Houston, Texas, for anyone engaged in the world of reading and writing. Inkwell is brought to you by Tintero Projects, which showcases the work of national and international Latinx and Latin American writers through readings and workshops, and Inprint, a literary arts nonprofit which, since 1983, conducts readings, workshops, and other programs to promote creative writing and reading and supports writers. Inkwell hosts Jasmine and Lupe Mendez, writers, educators, activists, and founders of Tintero Projects, will interview emerging and established writers from across the United States with energy, wit, and fresh perspective on what it means to ink well in this day and age. And welcome back to another wonderful episode of Inkwell. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Lupe Mendez. And I'm Jasmine Mendez, your other co-host. And we're here at the wonderful, beautiful Imprint House. And today it's hella cold. Very uh, cold. Which Very is kind of lovely. I got to pull out the big jacket and the scarf. And for everybody who's listening to us from someplace that's really, really cold... From the, polar vortex. <laughs> from the polar vortex. polar vortex. That is our forty degrees. Our uh, is burr. It's so cold compared um, to your negative forty. So, so we really, we hope everyone's doing really it's warm. Staying warm. It's February, Black History Month, though it should be all year. What? That's just my oh. little, my little stay woke I got moment. It. No, yeah. Every yeah, month yeah. is Black History Month. I concur. Um. I don't even know where I was going with that. I was thinking of the cold, and then you threw that in there, and that threw me off. Uh, uh, Oh, okay, so... It's been a while. It has since we've been on the mic. Josh, it's good to see you from across the table. And Oh, wait, real quick. Okay, so... Our guest is here. Can you say hello, guest? Hello. And that's all we'll have to hear from the guests for a few minutes. (laughs) For right now. For right now, because... Because that's that's a sneak peek, gang. So, uh, este... So... Banter. Yeah, piece. I know. Do we want to? Well, I think, you know, since it's been a while, what, what have you been up to, Lupe Mendez? Uh, what does the world need to know? Lo- um, currently, if anybody is paying attention to the uh, soccer standings for high school, private school. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this I, is how exciting our life is now. Is, soccer, really games and me soccer games and me feeding the baby. And who's eating solids now? Who's eating? How yeah. Exciting. And she can stand up and. But she's uh, not crawling, refuses no, to crawl. <laughs> she slapped me this morning, so just probably deserved it. For what? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um, so yeah, so I'm like aside from writing and doing all sorts of stuff, and my book will be out in April, so I'm kind Yay! of really jazzed. He's about gonna that. be one of our guests that's, on the podcast. And that's also gonna be kind of weird, but cool. We'll have a guest um, host. <laughs> so um at the same time, still teaching high school, but then also coaching high school soccer, and we are in competition on our way to States. So we're trying to get there and we'll see what happens. Our next awesome. stop is San Antonio. Good old San Antonio. Good old San Antonio that Jasmine just rolled her eyes at. Um, but so, okay. Um, yeah. What have you been up to? Miss Writing Lee? a play, apparently, <laughs> which oh, went up. Well, that's right. there was a reading of it last weekend and writing, uh, finishing my MFA thesis, which is what, what? 
I'm just ready to be done. It's like I was told, right, that like I have all the requirements to graduate, but I still have like these packets to turn in. And I'm like, yeah, why? These are the things just just give me the degree. This is part of the work. Like, Nobody why? just gives you the degree. I mean, I did the work. You, this is all just other all this other stuff you is just still red have to tape. Present the work. It's just red tape. This is not red tape. It's bureaucratic red tape. You have they have to have a record that you did the work. So this is what this is. Is what just that let is. me email it in. I'm you done. You can't just email it in. You still got to go present. This is what happens. What? One of the many things we argue about, such as oh. Should we have two books or one? Right? That's what we were talking uh, so, about before okay, we started. There have been a few <laughs> writers who have asked us, like, as a writerly couple, what is a thing that we do? And so we are constantly in turmoil and in battle about do we have two copies of one book or one copy? Here's the reason. Here's the quote-unquote logic, people, he, behind this. Because when we, get our books, it's, it's when we me. get our books signed... Someone to no. the left of me Jasmine. would like to Jasmine. have his own no, copy, no, 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 his no. own things, like his own book signed to Lupe. When I have told him repeatedly, just let them say to the Mendezes or to the Mendez family. Someone met right? Willy Perdomo and got There's the a couple book. of handful of books that, yes, I do want my own so then you signed can't say copy. That it's me. Then but you then there's just some books that I don't really, I'm like, okay, we both like the author. They're fine. Like, I like we Willy can Perdomo. Just, Hence the whole Mendez's thing should But I like, like Willy Perdomo, right? Oh. There's like levels and gradients, oh, right? so conditions. Same thing with like Claudia Rankin. Like I needed my own signed copy of oh, Citizen. Oh, so as okay. opposed to the but whole, like, the Mendez's Other copies of books it's like do we really need to like come on so now. who sets the standard you did no dear. marie kondo would You're say nine. that we need to reduce the amount of books that we have on our yeah, show and that's, if it that's, doesn't bring us joy no she, and so she literally said don't even have a library don't she said not even have a library no she said reduce it to six books but that's like for people who that's not having books a library don't bring them joy books bring us joy so then nothing gets thrown away there's we already cleaned it two We're making our guests ago. uncomfortable. They're like shifting in their seat. Like we need They're to, laughing and giggling <laughs> secretly and they're like bopping like, up and down their seat. So it's fine. So anyways, everybody. What do you all think? Welcome. Vote on the non-existent poll on Twitter. I'm gonna One put, book put or up. two books. No, I'm going to put that poll up on gonna Twitter. Put the poll up? Should the writerly couple have a book each signed to their own separate selves or one book per familia? Can you not be so angry about it? <laughs> So, I don't yeah, understand why we, we have so many books. This is, you keep buying books. <laughs> it's like you, you buy clothes when you buy clothes. But that's a whole nother. I'm recondoing my life right now. No, you're not. <laughs> I don't know when that's happening. <laughs> you didn't want to. I'm trying uh, to declutter. So, so this is episode four. Is uh, it? Wow. This is episode four of season two. Um, we are here to interview um, the amazing Chinging uh, Chen. And they will read from several collections and several works, which we're like super ecstatic. Mm -hmm. And so when we get back, we'll do her bio, their bio, the other questions. That mm -hmm. come our, interview. That, our whole interview. <laughs> we'll hear them read a couple of poems and, and then lightning then, round. And then lightning round. So stay tuned. It's not radio. The Keep it on the dial. What? One of those things. <laughs> oh, I messed that up. And we're back. Um, so uh, today we will be interviewing Chinging Chen, who is the author of The Heart's Traffic by Arc Toy Red Hen Press and Recombinant, Kelsey Street Press 2017, winner 
ladies and gents and everyone else, of the 2018 Lambda Literary Award for Transgender Poetry. Yay! Chen is also the co-editor of The Revolution Starts at Home, Confronting Intimate Voices Within Activist Communities, South End Press, and Here is a Pen, an anthology of West Coast Kundaman Poets, Arc. Kiyote Press, I think I said that correct. Uh, they have received fellowships from Kundiman, Lambda Watering Hole, Kanserat, and Imagining America, and are a part of Makondo, Makondo, and Voices of Our Nation Arts Foundation writing communities. Their work has appeared in The Best American Experimental Writing, The And Now Awards 3, The Best Innovative Writing and Troubling the Line, Trans and Gender Queer Poetry and Poetics. A community organizer, they have worked in the Asian American communities of San Francisco, Oakland, Riverside, Milwaukee, and Boston. A poetry editor of the Texas Review, they currently teach creative writing at Sam Houston State University. And in 2018, they co-organized Failure to Conform, a series of performances in Houston, Texas, featuring trans, genderqueer, intersex, and gender non-conforming writers, performers, and visual artists in response to shared stories and conversations with Houston-area trans and gender non-conforming folks. They can be found at www.chingingchen.com. Welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Such an impressive bio. So excited. Um, so to open, I know that is a really good bio. Mm-hmm. Um, so to start off, um, is there something you'd like to read yes. for us today? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to read a poem that, um, you all helped bring into existence. What? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Wait a minute. Is that a, that's a fold out. That, that's a page that folds. Yo, that's awesome. Okay. Sorry. Freak out. That's awesome though. Uh, so this is a poem called Spell for Hole, Spell for a Hole. And um, I wrote it when you invited me to uh, respond to the home exhibit mm-hmm. at the oh, Museum yeah. of Fine Arts yeah. in Houston. That's dope. Thank you. A pleasure. Thank you. So um, I, I'll read it now. Spell for a Hole. And this is in response to work by uh, Mondongo and Maria Teresa Hincapi. Born here, a mutation, given a mutation immediately in what they name Misery Village 31. What do you see, said brother, exiled to another quadrant? In the middle, a hole. To one side, a highway berth appearing much more Thursday. Close to us, a demolition attached to bullet train. Hole right here, box here, steel threads, steel cars there, bumps on wax surface here. Seats to magic mutating show up above and diagonal. Who cannot return to examine hole, asked remaining ones. Do you see? Ten boxes leaking on his back. Mother's tooth and eye. 40,000 brick shacks demand windows. Neighbors punch holes for water. Do you see? Hole here, a singer with scaffold mouth. Singer born a string of golden altered light. Singer with a radioactive suitcase. Mirror lined with silver teeth. Door full of crabs. Singer a mouth and boat full of mattress. Paper bag masquerading as zinc roof. An eye against all false honey. Body in corner is a paper bag. No, a dispersing sky-raised brother who hasn't written his lesson yet. How to have peace, an exquisite purple blind in the one purple house close to sun. 
A scattered business emptying drains overnight because government won't do it. We all paid before each breakfast. Under soil, there are more stories alone. You see, landmark eye plucked from ostrich, hairline remediators shamefully planted because of refractory mistake. Collector says Village 31, full of growing miserables, asked for bodies which contain fabric. Sees 500 tiny threads collected as fees in jars. Not alone water, not alone electricity, not alone highway use. Modification IDs if you must poke blood. I know you took them whole there and charged five pennies for a soft creature. All flowers here. On the flip side, light seekers attend a cathedral of spreadsheets searching new red skies. On the flip side, a healthy boy sits in chair reading alone a masterpiece. Single knife, single thread, single hole, a soft penny for a breath. Hmm. So many images. Hmm. I'm so processing. <laughs> Beautiful piece. So can you talk a little bit when you saw that piece, that 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 artwork, like what mm-hmm. like what was it that, that was drawing you towards it? What what spoke to you about it and like led you to that, to that poem? So the main piece it responds to um, is one of is one of those pieces that has a village inside of it, mm-hmm. and and it shows like lots of little scenes, mm-hmm. and then there was another performance which I also, um, but was thinking about which is next to that, that piece, right. um, but in that main piece, there's something that looks like a large hole mm-hmm. in the middle of of this very busy scene, mm-hmm. and so that's that's kind of what I started writing to, like, well, you know, what a it was so strange mm-hmm. and it was so um, arresting and it took my, it took my focus. And then I started mm-hmm. imagining, you know, like how did the whole get there? Mm-hmm. You know, how is it related to the scene around it mm-hmm. um, and every, and everyone's place in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was and, kind of like a hole in the middle of like a village, right? Or like yes, this, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that. But there's like a lot of other things happening. Right. Yeah. It was very busy. And, yeah. and um, even in terms of, um, you know, what was around it on the other side. There were, mm. you know, other scenes that looked very different, you mm. know, and showcased really different lives. Mm. Um, and one of the things that I'm interested in in my writing is, you know, what happens when there's lots of different lives or different kinds of histories in the same yes, space? Yes. You know, how do they talk to each other? And, you know, what are the things that um, are interesting in terms of how they come to be? in the same space. Mm-hmm. Maybe interesting is not the right word, but you know, what are right. the, what are the tensions mm-hmm. or in what are the possibilities? Mm. I love that. Yeah. I noticed that a lot in um, recombinant, right? Like there's lots of different layers and identities and people sort of in conversation with each other um, and not right. Like mm-hmm. it's sort of like living within and apart, but like you're still mm-hmm. kind of in conjunction with, right. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Not just the intersectionalities of it, but also how are they moving through, Mm-hmm. the different spaces and everything in between. So, mm-hmm. um, man, so it, um, context wise. So if folks, uh, uh, as you're listening to the, the episode, um, uh, as part of the work we do with the digital projects, we do lots of collaborative work, uh, inkwell being one of the collaboratives, uh, with imprint, uh, and then in a larger, uh, sense within the city here in Houston, 
uh, we have a collaborative uh, partnership with the Museum of Fine Arts Houston. Um, and so there's lots of ekphrastic work. And so our, our first, like... And for those that don't know poetry, ekphrastic work is when the oh, that. poet or the writer engages with a piece of art, visual art, or some other kind of art, and responds to that art when through their writing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and so in this case, is a very the first time we'd ever done it, uh, yeah, we were able was. to uh, ask different poets in the city to come and join this uh, one exhibit called uh, Home uh, that was showcasing different artists from Latin America and the concept of vivienda, like what is, what is, what home, is home in different contexts, in, in different contexts, looking for home, uh, being pulled away from home, like all these different aspects of it. Um, and so Chinging was able to join us with that and beautifully like the performance. Wrote that yeah, poem wrote that, that she piece. just read, which now has recently been published in Poetry. Poetry. Um, Poets. And- Poet, no poetry. Poetry, poetry. poetry sorry, poetry, okay. yeah. I don't even um, know. And so, <laughs> um, it was beautiful the night that that we heard it. Then until like hearing it, it it's like ah. I love um, like your performance style too, because it's like folks who meet you, it's kind of like hi, and sort of this like you know <laughs> like fun, slightly quiet like person, and then like you get on that mic and it's like boom, y'all. <laughs> this is my poetry. I love hits, it. Like, <laughs> it really time. does. It's powerful. Um, Current projects, like aside from the congratulations on the publication of this, thank you, and the lambda. Oh my goodness! So, what's what are you working on now? And can you speak of any of that work, or is it like top secret that you're like hiding for the future, or what are you working on? Well, it's funny that um, I read this poem because I'm writing a lot um, in response to art. Mm. So, um, I'm going to talk about this exhibit, Antonius Tabui's exhibit at Lawndale Art uh, Center. Mm -hmm. Um, And if folks haven't seen it, um, Antonius um, is this amazing genderqueer Vietnamese-American artist um, who... Oh, this is an example. I'm sorry. I know the the podcast is a visual. (laughs) (laughs) We'll post it though. We'll post the we'll visual. We'll post it. Yeah, oh, we can. Yeah, we can, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You if you send it, if you don't mind. We'll okay. Yeah. It <laughs> we got it. We got it. Josh, <laughs> oh, is there, is there any way you can make a link? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so makes these like amazing uh, paper cuts, um, and right now has this show up that's life sized um, Asian American queer Asian American activist. Wow. Um, that's beautiful. And full disclosure, I am. And I'm one of the people that um, Antonius made a paper cut of, which is very really? weird. Congratulations. It's really I'm weird. Sure it is, though. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is kind of like. There's another writer, too, Adi Tai. Yeah. And um, yeah. actually, there's another performer, uh, Tanya, who does like a lot of drag. But um, And I'm not sure, maybe uh, maybe other kinds of art, but I'm not 100% sure. Right. So it's a really cool exhibit. Um, and so I, I wrote, uh, like, well, a lyric essay, and I thought about the form of the paper cut. Yeah, and I'm so I I wrote a poem slash lyric essay mm-hmm. um, in response to their exhibit, and I'm writing one for the castles exhibit, uh, which is at the Station Museum. That's awesome. Oh, cool. yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm writing a lot about art, and one of the things that um, I think the reason I'm drawn to it is because it lets me write about things that I can't always talk about directly. Mm-hmm. Right, um, right, right, and it lets me put my own experience, but in a in a undercover way, mm. and then refract it through other things mm. that you know ma- the material of the piece or the scene of the of what's happening. But the emotion comes from you know what's 
like an internal place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's a. Huh. I like that. The refracting in a different. That's I like that. Okay. Um, man, that's like my brain is like. <laughs> in a different. <laughs> well, I found it interesting because you. you Again, listeners can't see it, but you sort of showed us an example of that lyric essay or showed us a lyric essay. And I've, I did find that a lot, sort of that, like your your use of, of playing with like white space and like the length of lines and sort of like even like those short, like <clears throat> sort of fragmented sentences. Can you kind of like speak towards that in your writing? Like is, obviously it's an intentional conscious choice, but what kind of like draws you to that form, to that style of writing? So in terms of the, in terms of the white space, um, I think... Actually, Juan Felipe was mm-hmm. my um, one of my uh, mentors. Of course, um, <laughs> yeah. in my yeah. MFA program. Yeah, he was, wow, yeah, that's that's awesome. Crazy. At UC Riverside, so he yeah. was one of. So I had different kinds of teachers, you know. Um, and his style was very much like I want to show you what's possible mm-hmm. in poetry, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, movement and dance um, and music repetition mm-hmm. and then sculpture. And white space, and he's mm-hmm. a visual artist too. So, yeah. Yeah. so I think he's all—he was always trying to stretch what was possible in the form, mm-hmm. and then encouraging us to do the same. Do the same. Yeah, That's yeah, amazing. yeah. So I think a lot of that experimentation he really encouraged and allowed because we had other teachers who, you know, were like, y- "You're." You need to write in complete sentences with a period. <laughs> oh. I always rebel against that. Yeah. yeah, so I had like these two different, you know, extremes. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And I started thinking of um, the poem as a mini sculpture on the page. Oh, that's beautiful. And how can you capture that? And then also in terms of performance, how can you capture that on the page on the page yeah yeah I'm always that's always a struggle for me yeah. I'm always like thinking about that um I don't know that I'm I'm very good at it like I know when I read it I think that was one of the fascinating things with like this play reading for me that happened last weekend was like seeing someone else read my poems mm-hmm. like in that context like putting their own interpretation to it mm-hmm. and like not wanting to step in and be like no don't do it you know? yeah. like, don't do it like that because like yeah, yeah. in my mind I have a way that it would be read mm-hmm. but then clearly like that's not being transferred to the page. And mm-hmm. sometimes I'm okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's that's okay. And then sometimes I'm like, well, maybe I want it to, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And how, how do I capture that? And that that um, goes back to what you said earlier about the, the as you're writing to these other things, what's refracted and what, what comes through and filtered through mm-hmm. the lens. Mm-hmm. It's also what's magnified and then not. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. The, the ability to see that work in those ways uh, gives like a different kind of an echo when it's put out for consumption. I think that's, and that's spot on, like the way the work needs to be done. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Ah, yeah. Um, so you had mentioned the the different teachings, teachers that you had. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of leads into my next question. Um, as you're doing all this amazing crafting and and creative aspect work, uh, how do you balance like your writing life to like the teaching? life like your what academic is that and your activism like you're and very your much like, like community mm-hmm. organizer you know your own writing personal goals and then like your academic <laughs> like responsibilities like how are you hmm. but like what does that look like for you for me it's a hot mess but so like, <laughs> how does, i can't trust I'm like, me i can vouch for that <laughs> um but so like, how is that mm-hmm. how does you know what's the stuff that's intentional what's the stuff that's not that just is happenstance what are the things that are habit like how does that format for you so at the worst, it's a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, I mean, in my ideal 
and that's what I strive for, um, they would all be together, working mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, I would have my students uh, writing to, um, you know, what we're learning about and then being able to bring someone, you know, and, it, and yeah. then have that person also be um, in the community in some way. So I feel like there have been moments, you know, um, where I have been able to do that. Um, like you've been part of it, yeah. You know, where, you know, you know, um, someone who's doing amazing activist work or something that I think is really important. Um, you know, being able to bring them to my class, have them do a craft talk about literary citizenship, or um, you know, something that they don't really get exposed to. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, Cameron Awkward Rich came um, and did a craft talk on uh, what is trans lit, and then you know, we did a. Um, reading with him, but there was also, the students also um, organized the Black History Month Creative Showcase at the same time, and that had never been done before at San Francisco. Oh, wow, University. really? In that way, mm-hmm. so yeah, and, and you know, it was, it was not just poetry, but it was also uh, dance students and uh, visual artists and musicians, um, and they were all, you know, working together. So that's that's, that's the kind of work that I would like to do more of, yeah. and I think when things are working really well, that's that's that's, that's the goal. It happens, yeah. Awesome. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so flipping hats, I guess, and like shifting yeah. gears, um, and recombinant as this book came together, in either the formatting or the editing and the conversations you had with publisher. Um, how many versions? <laughs> with because this work is like. <laughs> Like looking at how the how how the layout is and in the yeah, the book it's so itself. it's there's so many things. I mean, there, there's, there's like, like docu poetry, so there's like experimental, there's lyrics. Fire! There's, this book is just, fire. There's a like, lot of different levels. How did how did you like? Was there a point at which you were like, this definitely has to be in, but maybe that piece might not like, or was that just in conversation? I'm just gonna throw this and see what sticks. Like, how did how did all that kind of work itself out? Uh, well, I will say that I was very lucky at Kelsey Street Press to have two editors. Um, and um, when I signed the contract with them, they asked me, you know, what do you want for editing? Uh, and uh, this is M.G. Roberts, who is in the collective and who's also a Kundiman fellow. Mm. Um, and sh- she said, what do you want? And I said, well, I want an editor of color and I want an LGBT editor. That's amazing. And so I, that's what I got. Badass. So they... Um, it's rare. It's very rare. <laughs> very rare. It's, it's very like that you can ask for it and yeah. get it. Like, yeah, it's very rare. rare. Yeah. But I also have to say, when I published, I've published with um, really, like, you know, this is a small feminist collective. Um, and this is an imprint. Of, I would say like a medium-sized independent press. But, you know, I those are the choices I made because I wanted to have... What you wrote, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I think this work really needs it. Like mm-hmm. I can't publish with just anybody because, mm-hmm. you know, because of, of some of the, of some of the choices, like the experimental choices right. um, in terms of formatting and stuff. Um, they um, really helped me. And actually it was really interesting working. I hadn't, uh, because for the Hearts Traffic, my first book, I had one main editor, uh-huh. you know, and I was her project for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was like a very one-on-one relationship. Right. And this relationship was different for um, Kelsey Street Press. So the two editors were M.G. Roberts mm-hmm. um, and um, Anna Morrison, okay. um, 
who has since took a break from Kelsey Street Press to go and um, finish her own MFA. But they actually had different visions of the manuscript. So that actually really helped me having that conversation between the two of them because they offered me almost like different possibilities of where I could go to in the, in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the main conversation we had was how to end, like um, in terms of the final uh, section. Mm-hmm. And, and they had really different responses. Yeah. And then it let, me, it let me look at, you know, okay, this is a possibility, this is a possibility, um, and what do I really want? Mm-hmm. What do I really want to say? Where do I want the book to land? Mm-hmm. That's, man. And, and how long was that process, more or less? Um, I would say, I feel like intensively six months. There were okay. periods yeah. where it kind of lapsed. Right, um, right, right, right. And uh, I think it was much more compressed than the process for this one, but I think it's because of that there were two of them. Two, and then yeah. we were really trying to get the book out. Mm-hmm. you know, for AWP. Right, right. Were there any pieces that didn't make the cut that you just were like, it's nice, but, or they made the decision, were there, were there any pieces that were, that didn't get in? Yeah. There were, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't remember what they were, but yeah. <laughs> there, yeah, there, there was. Um, so the, the process for this book, um, part of the reason it's called Recombinant is because I would take these threads and feed them into another thread. And I would mm. do that over and over and over again. So it was like a repeating process. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So that generated a lot of similar, but not, you know, material. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have like a whole other manuscript that I'm working with and they are blurry in that they cover similar mm-hmm. um, ideas, ideas, topics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm obsessed with migration, family, identity, um, community history and memory. Um, but they, there are different, there are different strands in terms of location, um, and the archives that I'm using. Got it. There's that word archives. Yeah. Cause yeah. I was, <laughs> well, cause I was, I was Love looking archives. there, I was, you know, looking through the book and that's been a lot of both of loop and I's work recently that our next quote unquote projects the next things that we're working on, um, relating to, to, the archive and can you talk a little bit about that like what what are your archives or or how do you see that word or that concept and where do you Mm -hmm. draw like what archives right do you draw material from so I I mean so I think a lot of my obsessions come from being um an Asian person Mm -hmm. grew up in the United States Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and also with the sense of not really being taught anything about that history, mm-hmm. but and also about how that history overlaps, intersects with, you know, histories of other communities of color, LGBT mm-hmm. communities, um, you know, working class communities, mm-hmm. et cetera. And so, and so as a writer, that's really what I've been drawn to. Like mm-hmm. what, you know, what didn't I know about? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, where is that information? Where are those stories? Um, so, and the, the other manuscript that, that, preceded Recombinant, but which isn't out in the world except except like as individual poems. Sure, sure. Um, that really started when I was at UC Riverside. Um, I got involved in this fight, a community fight, to preserve a historical Chinatown that was buried in Riverside. Oh wow. It was like a wow. it was it was like a full Chinatown which the city wanted to build a medical um, office building on top of. And hadn't really consulted with the with the community, mm-hmm. um, and also I would say the community is not very um, organized in a way sure. that I was used to in other 
in other places mm-hmm, and also, mm-hmm. you know, maybe in like bigger places. Right. But th- this community started to coalesce around the site. Um, so it was like, you know, um, it's, a, it's a strange mix of archaeologists, historians, <laughs> yeah, 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 community yeah. activists, people yeah. who cared about this kind of history. Um, and and then, so that was that was kind of one of the first archives that I was interested in looking at. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole history there of, um, it's a citrus industry, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the rich white ladies, for instance, had these houseboys. And there's actually a historic house where there's a whole separate room and a back entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go on this tour, and, and um, the... I guess docent yeah. would lead us on the tour, but wouldn't talk about all the other, the, you know, yeah. which I think is pretty common in terms of if you like go to plantations. Right, similar, right? right, right. So I, I became interested in like, well, what's this room? What's, you know, what's, what's this stairway? Like, yeah. like, I want to know about that, yeah. you know? And, and when, when I went into the room, you could see like, you could see recreated objects from, mm. you know, that person's life. Which wasn't that person's life, right? So that that's kind of where you know. Then I would start writing and be like, "Oh, I wonder." What um, was this? Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, asking those questions. Yeah. Um, now, did you grow up? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. So that, there okay. is a strand here okay. about the PBS Six Museum, okay. um, which which was a museum that was housed to store Asian export art. Mm. So a lot of the founding fathers of Massachusetts, that's how they made their wealth. One of the ways they made their mouth is, wealth is through trading in Asia. And then they would wow. have these um, artifacts that they brought home and then they housed in Salem, Massachusetts. And I grew up going to this museum. I, had no, I didn't know any of this history. Mm. So they would just bring us there and be like, here's right. a museum. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> no need to run around. And you're in this like, yeah. Yeah. Oh. So it was only through Kundiman because um, January O'Neill... Uh, at the time, I think, was the executive director mm-hmm. of the Massachusetts Poetry Festival um, and was really good friends with Joseph Legaspi, mm-hmm. who is um, one of the founders of Kundiman. So so w- invited Kundiman to do this ekphrastic responding to the art exhibit um, reading. And so that's that's how it all began. Because then I, lo- I was looking at the Asian export art and then wondering why this is very weird. Why does <laughs> right, right, you know right. this museum exist? And then looking at some of the history of the museum, and then realizing, oh, this is the history I was looking for. Right. You know mm-hmm. that I actually grew up visiting mm-hmm. that I didn't know didn't about. Didn't know about. It wasn't the stuff that was talked about. Mm-hmm. So um, I get that kind of the the springboard question to to the archive one is, um, and first encountering archival work does. The what's the I don't know like for me it always feels like this itch that I have to scratch like going through and combing through archives there's first this like sense of utmost respect mm-hmm. for the things that have been collected but then mm-hmm. there's also this like detective brain that mm-hmm. triggers like what does that happen for you and how quickly do you go into like the detective part of of all the archival stuff like the questions that pop up and stuff like what does that process look like? I think almost immediately because a lot of the a lot of what I've looked at has been very incomplete, mm. you know, and so it's or it's a list, you know, and that's it. And so then I feel like I have to put on the other brain, right. um, the detective brain, or you know, thinking about speculation. Right, right, right. Um, 
where, you know, and, and so it's, I feel like it's a generating brain. And I'm just generating and then seeing what happens. Yeah. Coming out of yeah. it, yeah. yeah. I feel like yeah, so yeah, much yeah. of our histories are like that, though. They're just, like, incomplete. Like, you get fragments of mm-hmm. it or you get, like, half an interview or, like, ten pages of a yeah. journal or, like, you know, well, it, a picture also, that's, like, burned down, down the middle. Well, and you're like, what is the other half of this picture? It, it's like, also the, you know, the there's, there's this level of, like, what part of these histories are still alive mm-hmm. and, like, how how close, mm-hmm. like, you you... You think of it in terms of like ancient history, but it's not. Like I think yeah. somebody posted the other day on Twitter a picture of it, it's a a little black girl who's behind a metal f- waist high fence, mm-hmm. and they said it was a picture of some place in Belgium that had a black family as a zoo exhibit. Oh my goodness! And I literally looked at the date that the exhibit was at, and I was like, "Yo, my mother was 26 when this was happening." And like, how close are we to those histories? The, the archival work that I'm doing now, for the what I'm looking for here in Houston, dates back to like just right before I was born in 76. And so, like, it's the people that made this history, the stuff that's still archived, alive. They're still yeah. alive. I can. Mm. I'm in the process of interviewing and like. We're that close. It's just a, a, a stone's skip in terms of like where the ripples are. And it's are. still, it's already like being forgotten, right? Like right. how is like it? How like, fast do we how have fast to, work are to we? Do all yeah. This? And like it's already, well, because the thing is, there was never a lot of effort by, I guess, like, you know, those in charge with the people in power, right, to preserve that history. So that's why there's like, we're the ones to ask, I think, with like trying to preserve it, to, to uncover it, to amplify those voices, to like bring it to the light, you know, because it was never. You know, just like you said, like you were running around these museums and you didn't even know, like no one bothered to like teach you, like, look, <laughs> like this is here and this is important. Like, <sighs> yeah. so frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you have another piece you'd like to read? Uh, okay, so I will read a piece from a commandant. Yes. Uh, Real quick before you do, though, because I know we yes. brought it up. Um, can you tell us a little about Kundiman and some of the other fellowships you've been a part That's of? That's right. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, we keep talking about them, and the people are like, oh, okay, what is yes. that? Uh, yeah. I was, sorry, yeah. guys. We, we take for granted that. how much we know and how much people <laughs> <laughs> don't know. Uh, so. I mean, so I, I, I will say that I never thought I was going to be a poet. I hated poetry. Really? Yeah. Why did we start the interview Love with this. that? Like, Why come on. That? No, 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 no. no. Wait a minute, back that up, back that up. What did you think you were going to be? That's the question. Well, I always, okay, I always love stories. I was Mm -hmm. a lonely kid. Kids were really mean to me. Okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think I was like, uh, you know, one of the little Asian people. (laughs) And so they were like, you know, they called me like chopsticks and ching chong and and chicken wings. (gasps) Everything that like had started with CH and they weren't. Hell no. And then they weren't, they wouldn't talk to me or sit next to me. So, so anyway, so I had, so I would would tell myself stories to keep myself company, you know, so that, that's, that's really, I was like, really like, I'm going to be a storyteller. Mm -hmm. So, and I hated poetry, but I don't, (laughs) I think it was because, so my high school, it in my K through twelve, not just high school, K through twelve was very canonical. We read, I would say, we read twelve Shakespeare plays. <gasps> we read no, one one woman was Carson McCullers. Oh. We read, I think, no writers of color, no LGBTQI writers. Yeah, like no, like basically, it was like Shakespeare Your standard. <laughs> Shakespeare. <laughs> it was Shakespeare and maybe some Mark Twain. It was the other. Half yeah. Of like, <laughs> 
Texas yeah. in the 1980s. Yeah, and Charles yeah. Dickens, probably. Yeah. So, uh, so I really didn't like poetry because I don't think I really understood it. Oh, to a Grishner. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was like, yeah. So, in uh, the undergrad I went to, we had some creative writing classes, but... And, we did have, you know, I did take ethnic lit classes, but they were very pro, uh, prose focused. You know, right, right, right. we could read a lot of non novels, short stories, mm-hmm. not a lot of poetry. So I didn't become interested in poetry until I was a community organizer in the Bay Area, and there were all these spoken word artists kind of roaming around. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, and you know, we were you know, we were working with them to raise money. They were doing performances, um, and so that's really. And also, I I was going to work on the Bart. It was a very short time, mm-hmm. so it was a very constrained oh, time. Right, right, right. And, I, and so that's that's really how I started writing poetry. Shut up! Yeah. That's so dope. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and uh, I I just think like so I and I didn't I didn't have a lot of access to writers of color or mm. other types of writers, uh, so I put myself in. Um, you know, community-based workshops. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like one of my first creative writing workshops was at Kearney Street Workshop, which is um, was born out of 1970s activist movement around the I Hotel, the International Hotel, um, it, and it was a hotel that housed um, elderly Filipino and Chinese seniors mm-hmm. citizens, and they were trying to evict them. So there's a whole movement that, that, yeah, that organized to to save them, and then and then the art arm of that was Kearney Street Workshop. And so that was, you know, that was one of the first. I, I remember taking a writing workshop with Mayana Minahal, who's this queer Filipina mm-hmm. um, poet. I think now living in Hawaii, and she taught us like haiku and like uh, writing forms of writers of color. And mm-hmm. I was like, and I said, wow, I didn't know this existed. Yeah, you know, and it was that time that I was looking for um, community, and I and I came across this description of Kundiman, mm-hmm. and it was the first one that they had, and they, they had ever had um and it it's a so it's an asian american um organization that's dedicated to fostering asian american writing mm-hmm. you know and there's uh sister organizations like Kave Kanem and Contamundo right, right. um and now it's at the time it was only poetry now it's expanded to fiction nonfiction. um and it's really focused around a workshop that happens once a year, but it's also a community that does a lot of other types of things. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah, y'all are very active. I've, I've yeah. noticed. I follow some stuff on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, they're doing like this event, or like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's great. And I was in the first. So I went to the first retreat, wow. and then I and then you can go three times in five years, right, right. and. I I just I couldn't not go <laughs> as long as I as long as I um, had access to it. So yeah. then I just went through three times. Or, so I was, I think I was in the first class I graduated. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, and I, sometimes I go back for staff if I am available, and right. then sometimes I help. I'm, help, I'm helping read fiction. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Josh, that's it. Um, Sometimes I help read read things, read, read things. submissions. Them, yeah. yeah. There you um, go. How so? Um, and, the, the, and I apologize for my ignorance. How many years has Kundiman been around? Oh, I think I went in two thousand four. Okay. So that would be what eight eight eighteen. Eight. Eight. Uh, We're in I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> so fifteen, fifteen, because two thousand four yeah, to twenty nineteen yeah. is fifteen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, oh, so you're five years older than than Kanto. Yeah. This is. 
10 years for Kanto. Kanto yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Kundiman and Kave Kanam were first. And yeah. Then Kanto. And then, Kave Kanam was first. And I know right. that those founders helped, you know, Kundiman consulted with Kave Kanam and then they helped. Yeah, with yeah, the, so, yeah, yeah. Kanto. Yeah. So, and we were all in Macondo, the three of us. That's actually how we met you. Yeah. how we met you was yeah. at Macondo, and that's in San Antonio. Um, and that's, you know, pretty much for all writers, but like activists, writers mm. who, are, who are activists um, mm. in their community as well. So, Did, no, we didn't meet. Yeah, we did. You, we did? That's yeah. when I met. And then I was like, oh, you're in uh, Houston. Yeah. Because I think oh, you were just right. going to start at San Houston that yeah. fall. Or you had been there. You know, you been I think I've been year. there maybe a year. You've been yeah. here a year. Oh, that's yeah. right. That's how I know JP. Yeah, right. that's how, and that's right. Yeah. That's mutual friends. Yeah. This, this interview is nice, though, because I feel like I was just thinking about it on the way here. I was like, you know, like we see Chinging all the time, but it's always like, hey, hey, for like five, ten minutes. Yeah. And then like, and we've then never like, like sat down and had like actual like talk shop kind of thing, you know? Like, I didn't even know you're from Massachusetts or that, like, none of this stuff. That's great. That's good stuff. Good. Okay, yeah. now, do you want to read us? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Now yeah. that we derail, <laughs> do oh, wait, you want to okay. read us a little? Not a little. You know what? Thing. I'm actually going to change what I'm going to read. Yeah, please. Okay. Perfect. Whatever. So um, I want to read this this poem because uh, it's called Heritage uh, because I read it in two ways. And um, I'm going to read the, there, there are some lines that are found texts and it's mm. from a historian. Um, his name is Victor Jew and he wrote about this um, incident that happened in Milwaukee um, where these uh, Chinese men were accused of um, sexual impropriety with these Eastern European immigrant girls. Mm. And um, then there was a mob that formed and they were trying to attack them, but they were being held at the time um, in the police station. So then they targeted a lot of the businesses, um, the Chinese or the laundries that were, that were around. Yeah. And, um, and there, so I found this one article and then I talked to Victor Ju, um, but there wasn't a lot, I think there's a little bit more now, but there wasn't a lot written at the time. And um, one of the ways that I did research was I went and looked at uh, census records, mm. you know, and there, and because I couldn't find other things, you know, and, um, and so I took, I took actual words from his article mm-hmm. as the bones and then I did, yeah. And then I did, and then I speculated um, because another story that I was thinking of at the time, I was thinking of this woman who um, is a, I, I would say, I was a very large figure. Um, she ended up being arrested for being a trafficker. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at some of the uh, community stories that are about her, you know, some people um, say that she was you know, almost like this benevolent figure. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, And so, so I was thinking about her as a figure too, as a very complicated figure. Yeah. Okay. So it's called heritage. To say in front of all these people, men and boys surging in knots of half a dozen or more who have paid money for their wives, reckless, get a rope, Regular traffic, black with people, the little mite, a good many times, the unprintable, sneaking, advance a foot, string them up to a lamp post. Heritage. When to say a woman become monument in front of all these people, never sing poured songs or pull by my hair into line. She placed me row by row, men and boys, black heads surging. 
uncover production in knots of half a dozen or more. I became not her stone, who have paid money for their wives. She reckless, stood tremble in fire. Get a rope, say the crowd face, regular traffic, black with people. Stare her down the little mite corridor, a good many times, the unprintable, sneaking, advance a foot, string them up to a lamp post. Hmm. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Teeny Ten on Inkwell, and uh, we'll be back with our lightning round. <laughs> And we're back. So with our lightning round question, if you are joining us for the first time, she's nervous over here <laughs> with our question. is stringing nose. Uh, these are the serious, most important questions of the day. And what happens is you have 30 seconds. 30 seconds? Oh, oh 60 seconds. Oh, wait a minute. Hold <laughs> on, though. I like that. I Jiggy's like that. Face was like, 30, 30 seconds. And I we got, got a timer. Me. Josh brought a timer. <laughs> we got All a timer. Right. My bad. <laughs> I would think 60 seconds is too long, but okay. 60 <laughs> seconds per question to respond. And uh, we'll kind of just go, you know, one are, and one. There are 50 questions. There are 10 <laughs> questions. You're making me nervous. <laughs> 50 there questions. are 10 questions. Uh, you have to say what's on your mind. The first answer that you can think and of. You can't think too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Jake like, is, is used to it. This is. It's These all good. Serious this, is the, questions. this is the fun time. This is the fun stuff. This is what. All right, you ready? Go. When the archive hits, this is what people <laughs> will remember you will remember. <laughs> I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> okay, first serious question. Here we go. Lightning round. Number one Sunday, fun day. Top three things to do. Oh. Well, I really liked him some. Okay. So if I, ca- if I have time and I can gather a group of people to go. That would be my number one. Number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, meditation has become really important to me, mm-hmm. and that's when my um, temple sangha meets. Mm-hmm. So um, I oftentimes will go to the. There's an English drama group, and I go to Jay Buddha Temple. Okay. Um, so they meet and do um, like an hour, and then they usually have a dharma talk. Oh, nice! Yeah. And then I do like to cook. Oh. So you made dumplings last weekend. I did. I <laughs> always, yeah, yeah, I do. Do it once a year. Um, so if I have time, then I can cook too. If I don't go to dim sum. Dim sum's Yeah. Nice um, okay. Uh, number two. First thing you do when class starts, I guess, like as a teacher, and like, is there, you have like a routine ritual? That's funny because <laughs> I have been doing a lot of contemplative um Education. So mm. a lot of times I'll make them sit for a minute and settle into their bodies. Mm. Sometimes, you know, sometimes like I, there's a Thich Nhat Hanh quote about how your heart is, has always been with you since you were born and, mm. um, you know, hasn't left you and is there. And so sometimes I like say that and then like have them scan their bodies and mm. then we do a free write. Usually. Nice. I like this, this that phrase you use, contemplative education. We'll just talk I about like that, that afterwards. I'm, I'm always like. I'm always just like, go, go, go. Like, sit down. Let's go. Take out your paper pencil. Let's get ready. Like, I have so much I'm nervous energy. Like, everybody say good morning when I call your name. <laughs> so and so, good morning. Like, attendance. So yeah. that's totally different frameworks. But I'm going to have them do that now. I only started doing that because there was a lot of tension in my classroom. Mm. Um, 
you know, I, I have a very mixed classroom, I think politically. Mm-hmm. And so like after, for instance, Trump got elected, it was very tense in my class. Yeah. And then, so I had to figure out ways that I could make like, space in the yeah, class. Yeah, that makes that. sense. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, Question three. Question three. Um, on the drive to work, because from here to Sam Houston. It's a drive. Is at least more than 10 minutes. Um <laughs> <laughs> what podcasts or albums are you listening to in the car? Well, I'll be honest. I don't usually listen to podcasts, but I have listened to your podcast. That's how it works. Actually, I do listen to podcasts. I just don't usually listen to it while driving. Oh, okay. um, I usually listen to books on tape. Oh, oh what do you okay. listen yeah. to? What has been like your most recent book on tape? Um, I was listening to... Uh, I think it's called Life 3.0. It's about mm. artificial intelligence. Ooh. So I, so I listen to nonfiction and fiction things that I don't normally get a chance to listen to. That's that dope. you know, uh, that I think maybe I should I should learn about. And then, yeah. so Cassie, my partner, drives sometimes with me, mm-hmm. and she will always listen to music. Got it. Got so it. she's a music. You're a book. I'm on the tape. books. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't gotten into books on tape yet. I, I just haven't like. It's not that I don't think I'll like them. I just haven't like remember to like think about it and like download some books. And I'm, I've been doing World War Z, yeah, with, with Morgan Freeman because he oh, does really? it in chapter. You haven't heard? It? No, oh, it's awesome. I feel like I'd go to sleep with Morgan no, Freeman's voice. Well, it's awesome because it's like a soothing, it's, like it's like a no. deep. Yeah. Like, he's like very, no. very. Uh, yeah. What is his? What's the guy that dramatic? was on the the thriller? Uh, Vincent Price. He's very much like uh, a Vincent Price in this whole like World War Z thing. But whatever, that's okay. not the question. Sidetracked. Okay. Side-tracked. Um, <laughs> uh, fastest. I don't know why this question exists. Fastest you've driven to get to work and how long it took. I don't know. I feel like why do you think Chinging is like a speed racer? I like feel I don't like if she was why like, the if, if they woke up late and was like, oh snap. I feel the like they just like drink tea and like be like, I'll get there. What's the fastest you've had to get to work? It usually takes an hour and 15 minutes with no traffic. And you've been able to make it there in an hour and 15 minutes? No. Uh, Well, I would say an hour and five minutes. Dang, speed demon. (laughs) I got there in 45. No, it's because... It's because uh, I don't want to get pulled over. Yeah. Also, I-45 is the... Most dangerous freeway in America. Did you know that? that I, I, really? I, I remember know. hearing something mm-hmm. of this. I didn't it know is. that. And even now, with all the construction happening, it's it's, it's extra. Even worse. It's extra. Goodness. See, why yeah. Promote <laughs> breaking laws. I'm not trying to promote breaking <laughs> laws. Next question. <laughs> Hater. Um. Here. That's. Oh, that. Okay. Most fulfilling moment in activism. Most fulfilling moment. Oh, okay. I know what it is. So. So I mentioned that underground city, mm-hmm. it, um, and I was working with this community group, which is called Save Our Chinatown, and we had this community outreach committee, and we wanted to involve uh, we wanted to involve college students. Um, so we recruited these college students through a program called Undergraduate Research in the Community, something like that, which didn't fit what we wanted at all. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. it was a it was a academic um, unit, mm-hmm. and they wanted the students to do things that weren't helpful to our campaign. And we realized that they weren't able to teach them at all about you know the history. Mm-hmm. So um, with 
with Rosalind Sagara, who is a member of that committee, uh, we created, or I and Rosalind, we together created this leadership curriculum for, for our interns. We showed them like the Fall of Thy Hotel, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically through, the, through a quarter, and then they organized their own protest. Um, and the and the owners of that land was the Riverside County Board of Education. So they they organized this like Happy Lunar New Year um, protest where their goal was to jam up the system. So they went in and then they individ- they like had this huge card, but they they organized these students and they individually went in and um, demanded that the 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 receptionist stamp their cards mm-hmm. one by one by one as they delivered the, the um, like, thank you for caring about education. Oh, and wow. they actually were able to get a meeting with, with the owners through that action. That's wow. brilliant. So they came up with it, but, but, but I was proud that we worked with them. And then one yeah. of them, um, you know, they were, I think, a business major. They had a lot of pressure from their parents and their family. Um, and then they made a film, and they switched their major to... To media. Wow. That's That's cool. It's always nice when you can like change like the youth (laughs) in some way. Um, I can't read your handwriting. Writer or poet. (laughs) Oh. You would like five minutes with living or dead. Oh, that's hard. I would say more than five minutes. Like give them like a day, like an afternoon with. What are your answers? (sighs) Living or dead. Oh, there's so many. Living or dead. I already have mine. Who's yours? Mine, Raul Salinas. Oh, that's a good one. Because we are his final. I don't know. We've talked about this on Mm. Equal, but so like his final performance before he Mm -hmm. uh, passed away, um, like I think eight, six to eight months before he passed away, Mm. his final performance was with us. Really? Um, we yeah at um, Mecca. U- UH wow. used to do college days uh, okay. through the Mexican American Studies program. Yeah. Um, and Dr. Cano, uh, Professor Cano had uh, us do like their lunch poetry oh. while the kids are eating lunch uh, as they're finishing the day, mm-hmm. and so he contracted the both of us to do the reading, and then he said, "I got a third poet. You're really gonna like him." And we were like, okay, great. And then he's like, Raul Salinas. And Jazz was like, who's Raul Salinas? And I was like, oh. No, I didn't. I mean, I was young. I didn't know anything about anything. And then. I was like, um, uh. And he read la- and he read last. And uh, so like we both performed before him. That's amazing. And, like I was literally in shock. I was wow. like, I got like idle. So I point. feel like the problem with some of the answers that I would give, like they were either drug addicts or like kind of mentally unwell. And I don't know if I'd want to spend a whole like five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. So my first ins- well, okay, non, so like so, sort of like semi, you get okay. One. I only get one. You get one. I like a whole list. No, Do you, you see how one. difficult these questions are? <laughs> one. Okay, Toni Morrison. That's oh, okay. It. That's it. Yeah. All right, so. Uh, okay, I'll tell you, I feel like I don't want to say someone who's living. <laughs> okay, then someone, of- someone who's passed away. Okay, then. Teresa Hak Kyung Cha. Okay. Cha is, is not alive. No, she... Why didn't I know that? She died I mean, I was just a terrible death. To her work, but <gasps> she died a terrible death. I didn't know that. Mm. Oh, like I'm basically, sorry. I think a week after her book got signed. Oh, 
Because I just read Dictate and I was like, yeah, her. So good. Yeah. But I didn't realize she was in it. Yeah. Her because, because. If I can I get it second choice? Sure. Ana Mendieta. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. All right. right. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. I'll take this one. If there was one thing, because I can read it and I remember this question. If there was one thing you could do to change the world, what would it be? Write your own questions. Write your own questions. Well, I guess like maybe not th- like if there's one thing you'd want everyone to like know or like do to like to change like people. I don't know. It's she a- got a whole new changes <laughs> major. Like that's there's it's a weird. Well, question, yeah. So there's one thing. <laughs> like stop using plastic straws. <laughs> Oh, Lord. Something Don't like get that, me though. started on the straw debate. <laughs> Please um, don't get me started on the straw You mean like I have the power to make, to erase a whole action? Sure. Or introduce an action. This is difficult. <laughs> 30 seconds. Oh, no. <laughs> That's like a deep philosophical uh, question. Um. Can, I, I would erase transphobia. Awesome. Can, can I, I, like I do that? that? Can yes. I do that? I yes. like that answer. Yes. That's an awesome yes. answer. Okay. I yes. like that answer. Can I can I enlarge it to say I would erase oppression? Or is that ridiculous? No, that's no, great. That's okay, yes, I will I will say that. See, I knew we'd have a good answer. That's good stuff. Um oh, I think you already answered this. Favorite dumping place in Houston. Dumpling. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Josh, fix that. Fix that, Josh. Fix that. Favorite dumpling place in Houston? Uh, where my friends are. Yeah. Aww, that's so sweet. Perfect. I don't know why this question is here, but Whole Foods or H-E-B and why? Definitely not Whole Foods. So H-E-B. face And the why. why the, and yeah, Whole why. Foods is a lot. Oh, I mean, you know, they have... Well, I actually don't know what HGB's unionization policies are. Um, I don't. I do know Whole Foods has negative unionization policies. Oh, always oh, activist, even in the grocery I, store. I also read this article. I don't know why I read it, but it was like a logistics article <laughs> that was floating around about HGB and about how it. I don't know. Like they moved like lots of resources in a very innovative way to mm. bring supplies to people yeah. during disasters. So I found that impressive. Oh, that's cool. That's nice. That's good. Um, and the last question, if you could read in any place in the world, like read my poetry, mm-hmm. read your oh, work, okay. where would this be? Any place in the world. Any place any in the place world. In the- Antarctica. Sweet. <laughs> cold? Or no, just, just the novelty just of because it? it's, it's Just because it's strange. And, <laughs> and Are there people in Antarctica? They're researchers. They're researchers. <laughs> I mean, aside from people investigating global warming or whatever. Like, people well, just, live there, right? I mean, Maybe, I if know. people survived the... <laughs> Antarctica, whatever that happened in Chicago. The I polar mean, vortex. The polar, polar vortex has shifted. I guess so. Then yeah. I feel like New Zealand's like the place to go to these days. She really? Said, I mean, I he, know. they said Antarctica. Why are you coming up with New Zealand? I don't know. I just feel like I hear a lot of people wanting to go to New Zealand. You're right. There maybe there are no people there except for. <laughs> but that's okay though, because then you could do like a really cool. I'm doing this reading, 
and make it like an artistic statement. (laughs) Okay, I will say that I saw this. um, I saw this artist residency that was going into the polar region, Mm -hmm. um, but it cost like a lot of money, like thousands, thousand dollars. But but you're on a ship, and I there's something about um, not that I'm attracted to icy areas, (laughs) but I think there's something. I think there's something about the climate and, mm. and the rapid change and um, and not having that in our world anymore. Mm-hmm. That sure. is something that I'm drawn to. Yeah. Um, I did have a residency in Alaska in the yeah, summer. Yeah, I saw about that. Yeah, and, that. and when I was there, um, there were a lot of... There's a park that I went to that maps... It's, it's been mapping where the ice is. Mm-hmm for a long time and in the last few years it's really grown in terms of how much the ice has re- uh, receded oh, wow. that's really scary yeah, yeah it is scary. And, and like you know like when when i was going and looking at glaciers they were saying like look now because i could be here oh my goodness so, wow. stuff, yeah yeah not that i want to be cold but no yeah it's just because it's one of those things, things that like it's it's happening and we don't know how long we have until it won't be there anymore. Yeah, that's and then scary. when it's not cold, when it's supposed to be cold, that's right. scary. That's right. scary, yeah, for sure. Or when it's cold and it's not supposed to be cold. Yes, All that too. <laughs> yeah. Or when it's like, you know, flooding right. more frequently. 100 year, 500, 1,000 yeah. year flood. 5,000 year flood. Jeez. All so, right, on that note. I know. <laughs> so, um, but no, so actually on a, on a slightly lighter note, where can... Houstonians find you next or, or what are some any readings podcast, or any events yeah. where you'll make appearances at or let me think about this that's not a that wasn't a <laughs> it wasn't a lightning round question it was just uh <laughs> where can we find you aside from www.chingingchen.com I think the next time I'm reading I, I'm in this anthology that is um about Poets of color. It's like a. It's craft essays, mm-hmm. oh, nice. um, and we have a reading at Brazos. Oh yeah, but oh. it's in May. Let me. I'm gonna tell you. I think it's May. Um, I want to say May 9th, and and the anthology is called Of Color, mm. Poets Ways of Making, um, and it's at Brazos um, Thursday, May 9th at seven. Do you know any of the other poets that I'll be there with you? Um, Addie. Okay, okay, good. And then I think Addie and me are the only Houston-based folks. Um, And one of the co-editors, Amanda Galvan-Huynh, I think grew up here, but just got or is getting a, uh, not a PhD, an an MFA from Old Dominion. Okay. Yeah. So Luisa y Gloria was the other co-editor. And they and um, I think they know each other from that program because Lisa is a professor in that program. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we look forward to that then. Thank you. Thank you for Thank being Thank you on for Equal. being here with Thank us. You. Thanks yeah. for inviting me yeah. and for your awesome work. <laughs> so all right. Until next time. Yeah. Stay warm. Yep. Unless it's now warm when you finally decide to read this. I mean, <laughs> hear, this. hear this. And I said read. So, <laughs> thanks. Uh, awesome. Thank you, Josh, for editing, as always. Thank you, Chinging, for being here and being our guest. And thank you, Jasper, for being an amazing co-host. Thank you, Imprint House, for all the support. And I got no kind of thanks for Thank nothing. you, Lupe Mendez. I don't even care. Until next time, listening. guys. We'll see you. Oh, I already messed that up. Okay. Y'all have a great afternoon. <laughs> Bye.
Thank you for listening to Inkwell, a collaboration between Tintero Projects and Imprint in Houston, Texas, a city with a wellspring of literary activity. Inkwell is hosted by Jasmine and Lupe Mendez of Tintero Projects, produced by Rich Levy and Krupa Parikh of Imprint, and recorded, engineered, and edited by Josh Walker with 150 Media House. Inkwell is made possible by a grant from the City of Houston through the Houston Arts Alliance and Imprint's other generous supporters. For more information, visit imprinthouston.org or tinteroprojects.wordpress.com. For feedback on this and future episodes, email inkwell at imprinthouston.org. We also invite listeners near and far to attend our readings and workshops. Until next time, keep reading and keep writing.